Sharing your story can be a terrifying prospect for many people. Totally get that. For others, though, they have no problem talking about themselves. We get images of who those people might be in our brains, right? Brian Regan, he's one of my favorite comedians, and he tells, he tells this, he says, don't ever bother telling a two-wisdom-tooth story. If you're in a group of people and you want to tell a story about two-wisdom-teeth, stop, because someone will undoubtedly say, oh, that's nothing. I had three wisdom-teeth taken out. We're always trying to one-up each other, aren't we? And it often then feeds into this belief that our stories don't matter. What we have to say doesn't, doesn't matter because it seems then that everybody else's story is better than ours. And then this also affects the story. What is the story? The story is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that God sent his son Jesus to provide a way for us to have life everlasting. The story... And then how God has intersected with those that have decided to follow Jesus, to make him the leader of their lives, how God has interacted and intersected with their story, it makes us feel that that story doesn't matter. But why, why is telling, why are we having this conversation here today? Why have those of you that have, that have been a part of the Rooted reading over the last week, why have we been talking about sharing our story? Why is that even important? When we talk about sharing our story, and specifically the story about how God has interacted with our life through Jesus Christ, we have to understand that it's not about us looking good. It's not about us looking good. Rather, telling the story about how God has interacted with our life is about making him look good. Making God look good. And let's face it, people love to listen to stories. They love to tell stories and love to listen to stories, right? My, my kids, one of their favorite things is to listen to my mom tell stories about when she was a kid. It's almost like my mom's talking about being an extraterrestrial. What do you mean your phone was on the wall? What? Well, you actually, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you had to walk to their house. I don't get that. What is the yellow pages? These are, these are crazy notions that my kids listen to and they, and they hear my mom talk about these instances and it's just, it, it's fantastic. It's mesmerizing to them. And my son, my son, uh, to my chagrin sometimes because the length in which he does this, he wants to hear stories about when I was a kid. He'll ask me, Dad, tell me stories about when you were little, like me, and I'll, I'll tell a story or I'll tell two, and then he'll ask me to tell more and tell more and tell more. We like to tell stories. We like to listen to stories. That's why we watch movies. That's why, that's why we watch TV shows. That's why we read books. We love stories. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. We, we refer to stories as parables. That's, what, that's what, what they're referred to in the New Testament. And, and Jesus told over 40 of these that are recorded 
Not to mention all the, the stories that he told that actually aren't in the Bible. This is a fantastic way for Jesus to get, to get into people's hearts and lives in a very tangible way. Telling a story provides a relevant means of us to be able to connect with godly truths. Jesus knew this. So there are several things here that we're going to highlight, we're going to hone in on, we're going to underscore that are true here in regards to your story. The first is this. Your story, the story of God intersecting in your life, you making the decision to find and follow Jesus, that story, and then how God has worked in your life, it matters. Your story matters. Why? Why does your story matter? Well, it does several things. One is that your story, it reveals God. It's a great way for people to see who God is. When you share your story with other people, it matters so much because it reveals God's faithfulness, it reveals God's love, it reveals God's power. It reveals God's mercy and his forgiveness. And there are a lot of times where, where people, they, they may not make the decision to intentionally invest in reading the word of God. They may not make the intentional decision to step inside of a church and hear somebody like me preach about God or Jesus. And it very well may be that there are people in your circle or people that you will interact with who the only opportunity that they truly have to understand who God is, his faithfulness, his mercy, his power, his forgiveness, his love is through you. Your story shows others that God was not only real in the past, but he's actually real today. For many that aren't believers, the, the, the tendency is to look at the Bible, to look at Christianity, to look at God as a past thing. It's something that was and really isn't something that is. And when you... When you invest in revealing your story about how God has intersected with your life, it shows others that God is here now, and he's working now. And if he was working in your life, maybe he can work in mine. Your story matters also because your story is unique. It's like a fingerprint. Yes, we, we, could, we could spend a few hours, and we won't, but we could spend a few hours and we could go around and we could have everybody share their story to some degree and we would see similarities. But nonetheless, each of your stories are unique because it's lived by you, your choices, your decisions, your family of origin, the consequences of any decisions, things that were done to you, things that were done by you. All of that stuff it coalesces and then creates this unique story that is true specifically to you. There's nobody else who has your exact story, just like there's nobody else that has your fingerprint. And because your story is unique, this is the really cool part that we forget a lot of times. Because your story is unique, 
it will be uniquely relevant to other specific people. Meaning that your story is the specific, unique story that somebody else can only relate to and grab a hold of. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Also, your story can bring healing for you. It can bring healing for someone else as well. It could bring healing for you and healing for someone else. Healing comes in our lives because when we share our story, we allow the light to shine in dark places. How does mold grow in a house? It grows in a house when it's in a dark, damp place. And that's how the mold grows in our lives as well, is when we don't shine the light on those deep, dark places in our being, those things that were done to us, those things that we did, those things that we worked so hard to ignore, when we don't shine a light on that, that mold grows. But when we share our story and how God is, has worked and is working in our lives, because do we need to be perfect to do this? No, we do not. But when we shine a light on those things, healing happens. I can't, I can't tell you then how wonderful it was for me personally. So I remember the very first time, so I've been a pastor for a number of years, and I remember the very first time that I have the courage as a pastor to stand up on a stage just like this and talk to a congregation similar to this and say in front of all of those people that I suffer from depression and that there have been a few times where I've thought about ending my life. And how that opened up the floodgates for people to come up to me and to say, holy cow, like we could talk about this? Like, this is a thing? I'm not a bad person? Healing comes to us when we share a story, but then it also invites others to enter into that healing as well. So not only does your story matter, but your story matters because you matter. And Boy, does that sound cliche, right? You matter. But just because it's cliche doesn't mean that we should stop saying it because it's true. You matter. And man, do we forget that time and time again. And I don't care how confident you are. I don't care how confident you present yourselves to others. We all struggle with this notion of whether we matter or not. You matter. Chapter 12 of Luke, verse 7. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. It says this truth of you mattering is saturated all throughout the Bible. We are reminded about this constantly. And Jesus himself, he showed this. Let us not forget. Let us not forget. If we want to understand who the heck God is, 
you don't need to look any further than Jesus himself. Jesus, 100% God, God incarnate. And what do we see in Jesus? We see him constantly making time for other people, willing to be inconvenienced, trying to get to, from point A to point Z, but along the way getting to point G and, and being pulled in a, in a surprising direction and then willing to take the time for that person. Consider the moment in which he sat down with Nicodemus and worked through uh, some aspects of, of, of God's love and, and a relationship with God and what that meant in John chapter 3. And then Jesus and the tax collector Zacchaeus, wee little Zacchaeus, right? How Jesus took the time, a tax collector, someone who was demonized in the Jewish community, even though a Jew himself was taking money from his people and giving it to the oppressive Roman government. But yet Jesus took time. Because we matter. So your story matters. Yes, your story matters because you matter. But your story matters also because the gospel matters. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the only means of salvation, the only means of us being in a right relationship with God is through Jesus. And listen, your story is saturated with a character that is yourself. And if you're going to share your story, you're going to be talking about yourself. But the main character of your story should not be you. It should be God. The main character in our story is God. And as the main character, God was perfectly revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. And thus, the only means of salvation is through Jesus. We cannot, we cannot enter into a perfect relationship with God and then have the security of eternity unless we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. But many are unsaved. Many are unsaved and in desperate need of salvation. Thus, a believer in Jesus should always, always, always be prepared to share their story at any moment. I was talking with an individual uh, not long ago, and they were sharing some of their uh, concern about what it is that they were reading and rooted over this last week. Because this person was feeling like they weren't a good enough Christian because they weren't sharing the, the gospel of Jesus all the time. But that's, that's not the point here. The point isn't that, you're, that at every moment, at every day, you're sharing the gospel of Jesus, that you're standing at the corner on some sort of soapbox with a megaphone in your hand proclaiming that the end is near. That's not the point. The point is this. A Christian should always be willing and be ready to be inconvenienced at any time, at any moment. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always, always. Listen, God does not sync his calendar with your Google calendar. 
When God has something for you, he doesn't check your calendar to make sure it works out with your schedule. Always, always, not when it works out in your time frame, not when you have a moment, not when you're comfortable with it, not when you're not fearful, not when you have enough knowledge to be able to have a conversation. No, always, always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. All of our stories, my story, your story, all of our stories are ones that include faith, they include doubt, struggle, victory, Peace, turmoil, all of our stories. And many around you, many in your circle, and your circle is whatever you determine it to be, your family, your friends, your neighborhood, your community, your workplace, whatever it is, many of those people are experiencing those exact same things. Everybody is. We're talking about real people. Real people, real people who are unsaved, who desperately need the hope of Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And they need to hear from other real people. People who recognize that they, they in and of themselves cannot, could not save themselves. That the only reason they have eternal life is because of Jesus. That's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Matt Chandler defines grace as, as getting to have dessert without having eaten your dinner. Nothing you did, no standard you met, makes you eligible to receive grace. Grace is something that's given to you regardless. And all you have to do is freely accept it. Real people need to hear from other real people about a real living God. Those who are unsaved need to know that there is a God that is with them in their pain, in their struggle, just as much as he is with them in their joy and in their peace. In Psalm 107, verses 1 through 2, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed... Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. As believers in Jesus Christ, as those who have made the decision to follow Jesus and make him the leader of their life, we need to take our cue from the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. If you don't know the story, it's not a big deal, but many of you have heard the story, you've read it. Jesus in his ministry comes to a well to get some water and meets a Samaritan woman there. It's a big deal. We went into a little bit about that a couple weeks ago. There was a lot of animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans at that time. 
And so when his disciples came and found that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, they were like, what in the world? What's this about? Not only are you a guy and she's a gal, but you're a Jew and she's a Samaritan. This should not be happening. But yet Jesus, another example of being inconvenienced, being willing to be inconvenienced and taking the time to share the message of hope that he came to bring. And he tells this woman that he's the Messiah. In John chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, in the midst of the water that's there, the physical water, Jesus says this. He says, whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so in this moment, this woman is just, she is just blown away by the fact that she's talking to the Son of God, this promised Messiah. And excitedly, what does she do? She runs back to her town. And she goes into the town and she says these words. She says, come see. Come see. This man just radically changed my life. Come see. And because of this, in John chapter 4, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. This is why your story matters. This is why you matter. This is why the gospel matters. Because God wants to use you uniquely in the lives of other people, other real people that need to hear from other real people about a real God that loves them so much that he gave his one and only son so that we could be saved. And that's why we got this big hole in the ground. That's what I almost fell into a couple times. This right here is our baptismal. You know, it's a rectangle with water in it. There's nothing remarkable about this. It's not holy. It's actually just a little gross. But don't let that deter you. It's just a tub with water. But what this enables you and me to do is to make a confession to all of those around us to proclaim to proclaim that we've decided to follow Jesus and to make him the leader of our lives why is it that we get baptized baptism is an outward symbol of what god has done inwardly meaning that baptism alone does not save you That means if you get into this water and you get baptized, that alone is not what makes you saved. The Bible teaches us that we are justified through Jesus only. And so when we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, when we believe that he rose from the dead and is living today, and when we decide to make him the leader of our lives and to follow him, the Bible tells us that we are saved. We are justified. We are made right with God in that moment. 
And that is so awesome because before when we were so completely separated from God, now we have this right relationship with him that will be right for all eternity. That is awesome. So then Jesus says, get baptized. He commands us to get baptized. Why? Because when we get into the water and we do this symbol of his death and his resurrection, when we stand in this water and we proclaim that, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yes, I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead and is living today. And yes, I have decided to make him the leader of my life and to follow him. When we do that, we are proclaiming to the world that I belong to him. I believe that baptism is, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest way of evangelizing to a world that so desperately needs a savior. You know, one of the cool things, um, I, I heard this last night actually, it was really neat. Um, so in Georgia at the time, I, I think it's actually still um, the case, but if you were to live in Georgia, if you were a resident in Georgia and you were to establish your will, and let's say you have three kids, you had two that were biological and one that was adopted, once that will is established, at any point before you pass away, you could take any of your biological kids out of that will. But Georgia law states, and I'm sure this is true in other states as well, you cannot remove your adopted child. When we decide to follow Jesus and make him the leader of our lives, the Bible tells us that we are now adopted into the family of God. We become a child of God, and there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. That's what Paul says. And so why not? Why not follow Jesus' commandment and get baptized and proclaim that, yes, I believe. I've been redeemed. I've been justified. I've been made right with God, and I want everybody to know that. And maybe, like me, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior on September 15th, 1985, and that makes me sound ancient, I know, to some of you here. I was eight years old. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I was eight years old, and I decided to get baptized soon after. But then as I lived my life in my adolescence, and I made a lot of bad choices, and I really did not live my life for God, I wanted to make that public declaration once again, and so I got baptized again when I was 17. And I knew exactly what it is that I was doing in that moment. I, know exactly, I knew exactly what it is that I was saying, and maybe that pertains to some of you. Maybe you were baptized, and then like life tends to be, was, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been a lot more downs than been ups. And you haven't been living your life for God in the way that you maybe had determined when you originally set out, and you want to yet Make that declaration again that, yes, I've decided to follow Jesus and to make him the leader of my life, and I want all of you in the world to know. I want to talk to you. If you have not made the decision to get baptized, but you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to talk to you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to talk to you. And if you were baptized when you were an infant, I understand 
The desire to do that is, is, is a legitimate desire, and your parents or guardians at that time wanted, wanted to be able to commit you and their, your family to God. To say that we hope that, that my child, as my child grows, that, that they will know God and live for him. That's a legitimate, understandable situation. But I don't believe that infant baptism sprinkling like that is what the Bible talks about when we talk about baptism, when the Bible talks about baptism. Because baptism in the Bible is something that you do in response to having been justified, to having been saved. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse, to go under, to come back up again as a symbol of Jesus' death and resurrection. But when we talk about sharing our story, ultimately, the only thing that keeps your story from quote-unquote mattering is whether you truly believe that what God has done in your life, the amazing grace that you've experienced because of grace in which you didn't deserve has made you right with God, is if you truly believe that that is amazing. I tell you, we talk to our friends and family much more about that restaurant we just ate at than we do about Jesus. And a lot of reasons is because we truly don't believe that it's amazing what God has done in our lives. But if you did believe that, you would not be able to contain yourself. You would always be prepared to give an answer to all those who want to know what it is that you believe in the hope that you have. And you would be compelled to always tell others, come see. Come see. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray for myself and for others in this room and those watching, whether it's live or maybe later in a recording, Lord, I pray that we would take this truth to heart and, Lord, we would examine our hearts. That we would invite your Holy Spirit to interact with us in such a way where we would, we would assess, do we truly live our lives thinking that what it is that you have done is amazing? Are we compelled, are we willing at any moment to be inconvenienced and to share, always be ready to share with others about the truth of your love through Jesus Christ? I pray that we would live our lives like that, that we would be compelled just as Paul says in Philippians 2, holding out the word of life as we shine like stars in the universe on a dark night when we're in the middle of the woods and there's no other buildings or lights around us and the sky is clear. In that darkness, it is astounding as we see the stars. That 
is how it is that you want us to live our life for you. I pray that we would take that seriously and that we would act faithfully with great thankfulness. We pray this in your name. Amen. I love each of you, and I'm so thankful once again for today. pray that you have a great week. I'll be at the back if we want to talk. God bless.